The following Rarecast podcast is made possible through support from Pfizer and Horizon Therapeutics. Hey, Rarecast listeners, join us for Global Genes Live, a rare patient advocacy unsummit, September 14th to the 25th. This two-week virtual event will feature a variety of interactive and educational events, meetups, workshops, and performances. Whether you're a rare disease veteran or new to the community, we invite you to connect and engage with us and others through interactive activities. To learn more, visit globalgenes.org forward slash live. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Cosma is developing oral formulations of injectable drugs using its proprietary drug delivery technology. This allows therapies that would normally break down in the stomach to reach the small intestine where they can be absorbed. At the end of June, the company won approval for Mycapsa, the first and only oral therapy to treat acromegaly, a rare condition in which the overproduction of growth hormone can lead to serious health conditions. It was the first drug approved using the company's drug delivery technology. We spoke to Raj Kanan, CEO of Chiasma, about the company's recently approved therapy for acromegaly, the company's drug delivery technology, and the value of having oral alternatives to injectable therapies. Raj, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity. We're going to talk about acromegaly, uh, chiasma, and the company's recently approved oral medication for the condition. Let's start with acromegaly, though. What is it? Acromegaly, Danny, is uh, typically caused by a benign tumor on our pituitary gland uh, that produces excess growth hormone and which in turn causes the liver to overproduce another hormone, which we call insulin-like growth factor. And this excess uh, production of these two specific hormones result in a wide range of symptoms in patients, including uh, facial changes, intense headaches, joint pain, um, impact vision, and enlargement of our um, extremities like hands, feet, tongue, and internal, and internal organs. And that's where the serious health conditions start appearing be, besides the outwardly symptoms that you get physical changes it's the the mortality is increased because of the enlargement of internal organs like the liver the lungs the kidneys and the heart is there a, a progression to the disease so th there is not a progression to the disease but the symptoms keep getting worse and as the organs enlarge the patient tends to have a high level of morbidity and mortality so it is really uh, the solution is in controlling that excess hormone production and bringing it back to normal levels. What's the prognosis for patients today? So the prognosis for today, it, it, it's really good, right? So uh, Andre the Giant, uh, if, if 
uh, I recall, was the poster child for acromegaly, and everybody relates to him. Um, he died right before the first uh, game-changing therapy came into the marketplace, which was the somatostatin analogs. And so these somatostatin analogs mimic what your natural hormone is, and they occupy those receptor sites, uh, not allowing the growth hormone to take that effect. So octreotide was introduced in 1988, and since then, uh, patients who have normalized the levels of these hormones or biomarkers, as we call it, uh, have led a very normal life. In fact, their uh, physical changes appear to stop, they return back to normal, and their internal organs uh, do not enlarge. So that has really been a game-changing therapy that was introduced back in 1988, uh, which was a daily uh, short-acting uh, immediate release compound. And then in the uh, 2000s, um, pharmaceutical companies introduced a monthly depot, uh, which has now completely replaced the short-acting immediate release injections. And what's the market opportunity? So in the United States, um, roughly based on epidemiological estates, our data shows that we have roughly about uh, one uh, seventy-five per million. Uh, is what we estimated based on our understanding of the literature, uh, which translates approximately to about 24,000 people uh, at any given point in time in the United States have acromegaly, of which we estimated that 50 to 60% uh, would be cured with surgery, which is the first-line treatment. Uh, and if the tumor is removed effectively and the patients do not have any symptoms, then they are cured and they do not have to worry about acromegaly moving forward. But for about 40% of the patients, surgery doesn't work, and they tend to go on lifelong pharmacological therapy, such as the somatostatin analogs. The somatostatin analogs you mentioned are, are peptide therapeutics, if I'm not mistaken. These are delivered through injection. Why are these delivered through injection? Why can't you deliver peptides or, or protein therapeutics orally? So peptides, as you know, um, can get degraded in the stomach very quickly, so it never gets to the bloodstream to be able to get the drug where, uh, where it needs to get. And so that has been a challenge for many years, and pharma pharmaceutical companies have been trying to make these injectable peptides, especially these are very painful injections, uh, into oral formulations. Um, so other than a, another company that managed to convert something, we are one of a unique companies on the planet that actually develops and commercializes oral formulations of injectable peptides. There are many patients who, who don't like using injectables, but I take it in the case of acromegaly, uh, it's a particular issue. What is the issue around using an injection to treat acromegaly? So when we think about um, acromegaly and octreotide and, and landreotide came into the, into the market, uh, they were, so the octreotide was an immediate release. What they did was the monthly depots were a big step forward in terms of convenience, but along with it, they brought along what I would call, um, at this point, unintended consequences of the monthly depots. So they have a 19, 18 to 19 gauge needles. These are large bore needles with a viscous solution that has to be inserted up to the nub, um, for example, uh, in your um, uh, gluteus muscles. The pain is uh, significant, and many patients actually experience pain uh, days later. So that's one of the challenges. The second challenge is 
the actual uh, administration of the injection has to be done uh, by a healthcare provider. Many patients are unable to take these uh, injections on their own, which requires them to have an appointment with the office. And there's a preparation time involved to be able to administer these injections. So that's the second. Many patients also have what we call injection site reaction, so nodules to bruising to inflammation uh, that they struggle with. And then what we've seen over the years, and it's become increasingly recognized and accepted, is the fact that on day 20 or day 21, because it was a monthly depot, the drug levels start dropping off. And so as a result, from day 20 and day 21, they, what patients have referred to this as wear-off or breakthrough symptoms, which then causes them to have, for lack of a, uh, the analogy I can give you is what a patient told me. Imagine a severe flu with a pounding headache is what they go through from day 20 to day 20. So that those are the challenges, you know, loss of independence, uh, really going into the healthcare's office, the pain, the injection site reactions, and the breakthrough symptoms are some of the challenges that patients have faced uh, being on these injectables. Chiasma recently won approval for Mycapsa, an oral version of octreotide. How does dosing compare with the injectable form of the drug? So if you take the original version, the immediate release, what well, that was a daily uh, injection, this is now returns back to that daily oral dosing. So we are an oral, which means you, and it's not um, every 12 hours, you just have to take it twice a day to maintain your um, uh, levels uh, of exposure with uh, uh, Mycapsa. So you've got a, a product that can be easily integrated into the uh, patient's daily regimen or daily life without having to go to a healthcare's office or uh, face painful injections. So that is the alternative option uh, that we're excited about presenting to uh, patients with acromegaly. Mycapsa uses what you call your transient permeability enhancer technology. What exactly does the technology do? Uh, thanks for asking that question. So our company was built on that vision of uh, putting a platform together that allows us to do that. And octreotide was our first asset that we wanted to take into the marketplace, given sort of the dominant um, uh, injectable therapy that was uh, in play. And so when you look at what we do, we take the unmodified peptide, uh, we wrap it with what we call food grass materials or medium chain fatty acids in an oily suspension. We lyophilize that, the whole um, uh, medication. Then we insert that into an enteric coated capsule. And what that allows us to do is to put the capsule, um, take it orally, get past the stomach because the enteric coating allows the capsule to not be degraded. It enters the intestines where the pH changes and the capsule breaks open. And we take advantage of what we call a physiological natural mechanism that is actually happening every day for all of us when we eat food. There are these tight junctions like a zipper in, in our gut wall that opens and closes to take in nutrients. So it is uh, programmed to take in small molecules. It is programmed not to take large molecules like uh, viruses, uh, bacteria, toxins, so it allows these nutrients to go through. And what we do is exactly the food grass materials that's wrapped around the drug triggers those openings. And we allow the drug to be smartly in, um, delivered 
through those tight junctions into the other side, what we call leaky capillaries, where it gets absorbed in the blood and thereby we deliver the drug and has have the same exposure levels that we see with octreotide. And that was uh, what we knew that the technology works and octreotide was the first asset that we wanted to put into play to be able to validate that technology. And, and what do you know about Mycapsa from the studies to date? So we know that Mycapsa, because it's octreotide, it delivers a similar biochemical control in patients. Uh, so the uh, optimal trial that was done versus placebo clearly showed that octreotide, Mycapsa delivered uh, the efficacy that you've come to expect from octreotide. So in that way, it was similar. It was not a head-to-head -head study, so we can't really say that this is um, uh, uh, this is exactly as similar to octreotide. But when you look at the profile, the efficacy profile, the AE profile, um, there was nothing new or unexpected that we found uh, within our mycapsa that was not already there as a class. So that's one. There's an ongoing trial called Empowered, uh, specifically designed for Europe, that will act. That that is actually a control trial uh, versus an active competitor, which is the injectables. So we will actually get that uh, result uh, in the fourth quarter of this year, the top line results that will allow us to uh, see the magnitude of benefit versus an injectable. And more importantly, in that particular trial versus optimal, we um, are measuring symptom relief and symptom mitigation. So we'll be able to see whether a daily dose of oral medication at Mycapsa um, does that have or lead to a better quality of life for a patient versus uh, all the issues that I mentioned with a monthly injectable? How do you expect pricing to compare? So the 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 uh, one of the advantages we have uh, in pricing is that we know uh, the uh, reference points today. So the first line agents like octreotide and landreotide, there are price points in the marketplace um, that are already there, and that becomes a huge factor for us to consider. Second, we considered all of the indirect costs to society in terms of lost work days, uh, the loss of independence, um, the pain, um, the breakthrough symptoms. Uh, and then what we did was we anchored it to the fastest growing somatostatin analog uh, out there, right? So the one that has been gaining market share and is becoming the preferred somatostatin analog injectable, we priced it competitively, competitively to that drug in the United States. So our proposition has always been to payers and healthcare system is, um, we are a replacement, not an incremental cost in terms of therapy, because payers have already been paying for these somatostatin analog injectables for 30 years. And what we wanted to do was provide an option that allows you at the healthcare system to stay relatively budget neutral. And how applicable is this technology to other peptides and proteins? So we have now, we, we have a number of therapeutic um, categories that we have our eyes on, um, including even, uh, for example, insulin, right? So insulin actually satisfies all of our criteria, technical criteria, um, the business criteria, the um, uh, and the platform itself. But what, what insulin has, uh, what our technology has, there's a a variability in terms of bioavailability, right? So the, our bioavailability can be variable in an insulin, 
we can't have that. It's a very narrow therapeutic window that we have to operate in. So that's why insulin fell off. But just to give you an example of the many peptides out there, we've got a number of um, uh, peptides that are within our site right now. And we're going through the criteria as to which, you know, what can get to market fast, what's the most efficient pathway, what's the pricing in that particular category, and does that fit our technical criteria? So we're going through all of that when we hope to announce at a future date uh, publicly our uh, development plan to leverage the technology platform that we have. You've kind of touched on this and alluded to it a little bit, but why start with octreotide and acromegalia given the world of therapeutics you might have been able to pursue? So thanks for asking that question, right? So acromegaly fits well with the mission of the company, i.e., I would say a therapeutic area that was dominated by injectables and mostly monthly depots uh, that bring with it significant challenges as we saw it. And it also fit very nicely with our technical criteria, right? So the octetide capsule or the octetide uh, ingredient was below 20 kilo Daltons uh, in terms of weight. So in many ways, it, it, it uh, checked all the boxes of which was most attractive. And so that's why we went in the acromegaly space and we also looked at, you know, competitive developments. There were none when when the company started out. There was really no other innovation in the acromegaly field. Yes, these medications are very effective, but they're very challenging for patients. So we decided it's a great uh, first market entry and a great first asset to develop given our technology platform. And what's the plan for launch? Are you going to commercialize this on your own? Absolutely. So in the United States, we are going to commercialize it on our own. We have a solid team in place. And more importantly, we we have been, um, you know, uh, being exposed to the acromegaly therapeutic space now for over uh, six, six years as a company. So we have a lot of institution, institutionalized knowledge about our customers, about their um, evolving and changing preferences. And uh, we have a very good uh, relationship and rapport with patient advocacy organizations and um, the uh, thought leaders and clinicians in this particular space. And when do you expect to actually have this available? So publicly we have uh, said, because we do have a manufacturing supplement that needs to get approved and validated by the FDA, we have uh, publicly stated that the product will be available in fourth quarter and we did not give a date, but I can assure you that every single person inside the company has an acute sense of urgency to be able to shorten that timeline as best as we can with that rate-limiting step of a regulatory uh, approval. But we're working very closely with the FDA to be able to get this medication into the hands of patients that we believe would benefit from it immensely. Raj Kanan, CEO of Chiasma. Raj, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.